today is June 1st, 2023. We made it to June, folks. Hey, before we get it, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to make a little bit of a public service announcement. If you take a look at the releases for the Chillinoy podcast, I think I'm about to pull it up here. You'll notice that the the episodes are kind of in a random order. So for example, uh, the last episode that I see is 284, but then the episode after that is 289. And then the episode after that is 288. And the episode after that is 282. Where are the missing numbers? You can find them on patreon.com slash Chillinoy. We release most of our episodes for uh, streaming exclusively there. So if you're wondering what the hell's going on, those episodes will come out in the future. But for now, they're available exclusively at patreon.com slash Chillinoy. I want to introduce my guest today, Ethan. Ethan, how's it going, man? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to chat with you. Um, I just want to give some background as to like how we got linked up. So I got an email this morning. Let me pull that up really quick. Subject line, a plea for help. Hi, you don't know me, but I'm an industry employee that works for Sunnyside slash Cresco Labs. It almost blows my mind that how we haven't come to you until now, but the corporate exploitation we receive is so out of control. They haphazardly bought one of the first buildings in Wrigleyville. They went over a year with no heat and now, uh, two years, uh, no heat, and now they can barely keep the bathrooms functioning, for which is a huge OSHA violation. They've lied time and time again about the state of the bathrooms and OSHA won't come see for themselves. On top of that, a member of management let it slip to us that corporate thinks we are, and this is a direct quote, a bunch of crying toddlers, end quote, all because we want basic labor rights and a decent building to work in. We've noticed that the union, or we have noticed the union, but this thing does close to nothing for us, but besides get out of this cruel punishment system they have in place for attendance. Scheduling is a whole other issue, but I could go on and on. We're just incredibly helpless, so I thought I could reach out to you for a little help slash expertise. We need this horrible treatment exposed so we feel less trapped is my thinking. So this person reached out to me and I basically asked, hey, would you be willing to speak out on the record or could you uh, contact me with a few individuals that would be willing to? And that's how I got connected with you, Ethan, and we might be having some more folks on the on the show in the future to share their perspectives. I just shared the email and how it got to me. Why don't you just take the floor and talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about, man? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of that stuff in that email is spot on. Um, and it is the sentiment of 90%. I'm, I'm just saying 90% because you never know, but I'm pretty sure it's everybody at the place uh, shares those sentiments. I'm only here because I recently left uh, Sunnyside. Whenever I uh, was working there, we would be talking about how unfair everything felt, our mistreatment. Um, and a lot of us felt like we couldn't do anything because of the job insecurity. Um, people didn't want to lose their jobs. Even considering a lot of these issues, this is still a lot of people's favorite jobs they've ever had. A lot of people will say, this is the first time they're selling something that they actually care about or connect with, or, you know. So we actually put up with a lot and are happy to because we're finally working in an industry that we love, but the industry itself 
is making it so unbelievably nightmarish that it's it's intolerable. It's intolerable. Um, so I know that the uh, the bathrooms were brought up. Um, this has been one of the main issues that we've been trying to push because it's very clearly marked in OSHA and also in our contract about how many people are allowed to be in the building per how many bathrooms. And the biggest issue is that they bought this building with two years to do renovations and all that. And, and they we're did talking about the Wrigleyville building, right? Correct, correct. Which I'll repeat this many times, but this is the flagship location of the entire country for Sunnyside is the Wrigleyville location. So just to keep that in mind. So they bought this new building that we moved into and they didn't do any renovations whatsoever. So lo and behold, when we're open for business, we start having all these problems. The toilets start clogging, the AC isn't working, the heat isn't working. Um, it's a nice building. It used to be the old John Barleycorn Center, which I had never been to. They had a second floor, which they originally used for us to have as a lounge, which was very nice. But the floorboards were buckling up. There was all sorts of stuff just left up there. No cleaning been done, in my opinion, alleged, whatever. Um, and uh, they had to, you know, put up like safety hazard posters uh, up there. And eventually when we brought that to OSHA, they just locked us out of the second floor lounge uh, break room area. And we have not been able to get back there since. This is now maybe a year ago. Um, it puts us into... Uh, then our only break room, which is one small room that would be maybe one and a half times the size of a private bathroom. Keep in mind, we have up to 30 to 40 people working at a time. So people are being crammed into these break rooms. Um, again, a lot of these things are things we'd be willing to put up with and actually don't really speak out upon. But it gets so ridiculous from management the response that we get from management, the belittlement, in my opinion, the defensiveness, um, the gaslighting, in my opinion, like full on, uh, is, is very ridiculous. Um, I don't mean to ramble too much. If you have any questions, please cut me off at any time. But um, in my opinion, it would be a big difference if management said like, listen, this company sucks. They don't wanna spend the money to have you guys have an adequate working environment but this is what we got and we're really sorry about it. But what we're getting instead is, why are you complaining? This is a job, you know, this is what it's like, you know, blah, 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 blah. You should, we literally were told from a representative of corporate that we need to be more grateful about how the company treats us. Uh, and all we've really done is just raise these issues. We're, we're not, we haven't walked out ever, despite me begging my coworkers to on the daily, um, and uh, all of that uh, is, is uh, issues with the building. The clientele are also another issue. We're a smack dab in the middle of Wrigleyville. So a lot of drunk people and a lot of boomers. And that is sort of the worst of both worlds when it comes to retail and how people treat workers in retail. We have, um, our store has a walk-in section. So for people who don't know what they're getting or want some advice, they can come and talk to a representative but they just have our workers just like standing about in the store waiting for people to walk up to them and we've had 
I'm, I, I, I've lost count of how many times women especially have come forward to express, you know, they're getting sexually harassed. They are getting just harassed by these uh, customers and management truly, they literally will come back with like basically eye rolls or like, why are you complaining? Very much this, we're a bunch of crying baby toddlers sentiment. Everything that we've, we've gotten to this point um, for us, we've had to fight very hard for. I'm talking about samples or tips, something that doesn't uh, impact the bottom line of the company whatsoever, a voluntary uh, letting the customer voluntarily just give a little extra to the cashier. We had to beg for months and months and months and months for, we had to go to the union for it. And the union doesn't help us anyway. I'm not, I'm not sure about the ins and outs of unions. Now, are you unionized? We are unionized. Okay. However, turnover is so great at this location that nobody who currently works there and for since I worked there, which was a couple of years ago, nobody who worked there had signed the contract. Uh, everybody who had signed the contract for the union had quit. So we were also trying to get an updated contract, but that didn't really ever happen. Though this is my first unionized job, uh, which has been, you know, despite my complaints with the union, it's been very liberating to be able to be in the work environment and tell your manager, like, this is stupid, you know, and not have to worry about getting fired, for example. Um, there was one time I was brought, uh, that being said, there was one time I was brought into the office and got a write-up because I didn't, I, I refused to clean the bathrooms. I, I told them like, you guys need to hire a crew. And they were like, well, we do hire a crew. What they really mean is literally one person comes about and just kind of mops, you know, a few times a week. They, uh, this was after, this was after my time, but they had then hired a new cleaning crew and when they weren't doing a good enough job, the workers said to management, can you talk to the cleaning crew and make sure that they get this and this in this area? And they literally said, no, we can't. The cleaning crew only speaks Polish. Uh, okay. This These is their the flagship kind of location, right? The flagship location, mm -hmm. which I don't know if this is kosher for me to share, um, but allegedly they make $100,000 every single day in that store alone. And this is another part of our complaint. It's This is a billion dollar corporation easily. On, a, on, a, on our slowest day, we will make 70 to 80K on that day. So to, to, to sit around and be like, well, we don't have the money, we don't have the funds, you just have to, you know, this is how it works. It's, it's, it's a lie, <laughs> it's literally a lie. I, I watch, I would watch how we make everyone's paycheck every 10 minutes to a half hour, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then they just got uh, Illinois joined uh, the few other states in giving uh, the cannabis companies. And these are all cannabis companies in Illinois, by the way, but the only ones that are active, of course, right now are the big ones. Uh, we just gave them 280E relief. One of the first. So, so they basically, I can't remember what somebody said um, exactly. So people should listen back to other episodes we've done talking about the subject, but I believe that they said something effective. They're probably celebrating right now. Cause this is like millions of dollars basically just being handed to them again. Yeah. I'm not a text tax expert. Sure. So folks, you know, but 280E is something they're pushing for at the federal level. They've not been able to get anywhere. So what do they do? Let's go down to the state level, get a little bit of relief. And they got it done in Illinois and a few other States at this point. So um, to your point of, oh, we don't have enough money. Well, you just get handed more money. Now, yeah. I do want to say, and I don't mean to take us on a 
tangent because I am, again, by no means a tax expert or a finance expert, which is kind of what we just got into. Uh, but but it, it, there is very much an open question of whether or not any cannabis company is truly profitable right now. I think there are certainly a number of large companies that are certainly making a lot of money. Um, but I think the big secret in, in cannabis is that this entire thing is a pump and dump. So we're trying to, we're artificially raising the value of prices for products so that in Chicago, you can be making $90 an eighth, right? Literally. <laughs> and you, you pump it up, pump up the stock, pump it up and somebody buys you out and you leave, right? Mm. That's the plan. That's that they all, they're all shooting for this, including new social equity licensees. They've come on the show and say that, Hey, the backup plan is to just sell out. That's kind of the end goal, you know, cause short-term long-term, I actually was going back to a podcast that I did in, um, gosh, I just had it up. I think it was May of no July 4th of 2020. I released an episode with Mike Fouché and he talks about the fact he said, he mentions that many people in finance question whether or not the cannabis industry is profitable in the short term or in the long term. He goes on to say that he hears that he hears that most people running cannabis companies are running them with the expectation that they'll make their money when they sell their operation. Um, so, so they're not in it for the long haul folks. They're not in it for right. you. They're in it for their yeah. shareholders, which is right. who they report to right. so they can sell their company and, you know, sell it out to some big alcohol or tobacco company. And again, though, that's a whole other topic. Let's stick. I mean, if you have something to add, certainly. Sure. Sure. Well, I do, I, I do find that to be pretty interesting because uh, these companies make granted i'm sure it costs a lot of money to run these companies there's so many regulations in this state especially for example um, just really quick it seems like most of them don't even own their own cultivation centers which is a weird they yeah. le they sit they lease them back to these like bigger companies and if people want to look into it innovative industrial properties if you literally look up their website they talk about how they own frankly more than any entity is allowed to in Illinois. I've asked yeah. the Illinois Department yeah. of Ag about it. They didn't have an answer, but hmm. just I wanted to throw that in there. Like, sure, they don't even own a lot of their things. They seem to be leasing it back. So, I really, I don't know like what kind of money these people are making. You know, hmm. well, it is it is an interesting uh, question because throughout my time there, another thing that was happening was cuts, uh, cuts over cuts over cuts to things that. Uh, us workers uh, would depend on. One of the most recent things is at the Wrigleyville location, they cut security down to one guard for the entire store. Wow. Um, for reference, we used to have five at a time because there needs to be uh, a lot of different things that security needs to do. So for example, if they were to hire an electrician or a plumber to come in to fix something, security needs to be with that person the whole time to make sure that this isn't uh, but, nothing. Sorry to cut you off. I just also want to show for perspective, this is called Sunnyside Wrigleyville because check this out, folks. I think this is important for your conversation about security. Here's Sunnyside right. Wrigleyville. Let's go down yep. the road. Let me just show you how far away you can see Wrigleyville right there. Right. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna go down the road a little bit. Okay. One block. One block. It's it's right there. Yeah. 
It's right there. So, so we, what I'm saying is there's a lot of people in that area. Continue. A ton, a ton of people. We, we, we didn't have slow days, to tell the truth. We don't have slow days. My best advice for customers is to go somewhere else just to give the employees a break. Because I'm telling you, in their morning meetings, management would go over and say like, oh, so-and-so saw 120 customers yesterday. Let's give them a round of applause. As if that weren't a massive failure on behalf of the company, because they only have, you know, three or four registers going at a time, even at peak. Uh, so these, these people are completely overworked and we're supposed to celebrate that somehow, uh, which is, uh, you know, very strange to me. Um, but like, for example, if, if, when the garbage people come, I've been talking about security, when the garbage people come, we can't just open the garbage and give it to them. Security has to come and open the garbage door to give to the people. Um, like so from it's not behind like your counter. Um, no, no, no. So like we will have a trash room oh, okay. that's in like um, a garage, which by the way, the garage is now the, the new break room. So, so last I heard, nice. um, which is very cool. Um, yeah. So they were announcing security cuts as I was leaving. Um, and I'm, uh, when I went to visit, uh, not too long ago, there was only one security person there. So I still don't, I don't think that they have changed or have plans to change that policy it's also strange because this is right before game season i don't it's not like they're doing this to cut to make cuts during the off season you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i don't know yeah and did i i cut i feel like i cut you off you were saying something oh, about the okay. security letting out the trash i don't i feel like maybe i lost oh no i'm just trying to convey that security has to do a lot more than just look out for somebody who might be trying to rob the place there is a lot of little things just because of regulations and how these laws work uh, that security has to do. Um, I think it's interesting what you were saying about like who owns these companies and how they profit and things like that. Uh, because something else I've known, and this is more industry-wide, this is industry-wide, but it, it's, it's sort of impossible to uh, like pick and choose which, which companies you would like to support for you know, better, better companies or whatever, because it seems like all the money just ends up going to the same executives. A lot of the places, a lot of the people own um, a lot of different cultivation. Well, I guess you just said they don't own the cultivation centers. I'm sure they maybe rent it out or something. Right. But uh, they're, at, to your point, they're issued to them. So yeah, it's under their name. Yep. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you go to literally any dispensary. I actually haven't been to a dispensary outside of Illinois, but you go to any dispensary here and you have like the same three companies to choose from. Ozone, which has an alleged, you know, uh, Cresco, which is just a terrible company, um, you know, things like that. Yeah, um, I'll pull up an article here in a second about transparency, but you just brought up a very interesting point. Um, you can't really tell. You, you you cannot tell who actually is involved in these companies or if they have ties to each other. It's like, I'm telling you, it's going to be a big story one of these days. I, I have very little doubts about it. Uh, let, let, let's pull up the history here. We've been making a history document, just by the way, for folks that are nerds about this stuff. If you want to see V1 of the document, so I might be showing you stuff maybe you haven't seen that we've released so far, but um, if you do want to have like a copy of your own version one, uh, look up episode 232 of our podcast and go to the podcast description. So the podcast covers the document, but you can also just download the document yourself. It has citations for everything we cover. And 
let's look up transparency in the document um, because uh, so yeah um, on May 3rd, 2020, the Chicago Tribune reported that marijuana entrepreneurs are starting to rake in millions of dollars a month in Illinois, to your point, as customers line up to buy newly legal weed. But who's profiting from those sales remains secret. Regulators say state law bars the release of almost all the information businesses have to submit to get lucrative licenses to grow or sell cannabis. As a result, the public can't see the records that could show whether pot businesses have questionable funding sources or ties to unsavory people. That's proven problematic in other state-regulated industries, such as gambling, where revelations of reputed mob ties have have sent officials scrambling. Concerns about lack of transparency came up last year, a.k.a. 2019, before the passage (laughs) of the law uh, that legalized pot. Sponsors of the bill, Senator Heather Staines and Representative Kelly Cassidy, vowed to make ownership data completely accessible, and I quote, despite that pledge, their bill passed with a confidentiality provision that the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation recently cited in denying the Chicago Tribune's open records requests for applications and ownership information. The state is applying similar secrecy to cultivation businesses. The Department of Agriculture responded to the Tribune's request for application and ownership information submitted by growers with documents so heavily redacted, they yielded little information about who actually controls the businesses. The Tribune at the time was fighting that ruling. I don't know where this ended up, folks. If you know more than me, dig into it. Um, They're disputing the release of those public records. And uh, I just want to say that to wrap up this thought, sorry, you just brought up a really golden thought and then we can get back to Sunnyside stuff. Um, Donald Craven, an attorney for the Illinois Press Association, said enforcing secrecy invites trouble. Quote, marijuana businesses are making money with the state, by the state and for the state. He said, why shouldn't we know the names of who is partaking in that opportunity now uh and here's where i will actually wrap um and we i mean we certainly continue to talk about this but um pamela altoff who's been on this show she's the executive director of the cannabis business association of illinois said that owners of and by the way the cannabis business association of illinois represents all of the largely of the largest cannabis businesses in illinois in the united states in fact Um, She said people are very sensitive, not knowing what may occur if that information were available to anybody at the federal level. So she says that the information should be kept secret because you don't know what might happen at the federal level. Um, Anyway, sorry for going on for so long, but you just brought up a very, very important piece of history. It's very interesting. And this secrecy is just so ironic considering the whole reason we made it legal is because we kind of all agreed that if we all know what's going on in the market, it's going to be safer for everyone. I mean, that was one of the many reasons why the the war on drugs failed is just made the market more dangerous for people. Um, And maybe I'm misunderstanding, but is she saying if, if the federal government were to look into these things, we might not be able to get away with it? Is that what you were saying? She's kind of implying that, but that to continue on the article, that hasn't stopped some of the dozens of states that have legalized by allowing the release of that information much more than Illinois. So, for example, Pennsylvania and Ohio includes the names of owners on state websites. Oh, wow. 
But uh, yeah, that Illinois transparency issue goes back to fucking 2013. And we cover that in episode 232. We have direct quotes about the original conversations of transparency. And it all goes back to the original program where they were saying like, well, we want to keep it under lock and key because we don't, there was actually a lot of allegations of political insider picking the licenses, right? So they're like, well, we got to keep it confidential so that nobody knows, but I'm sorry. That's just a slippery slope. And yeah, uh, for sure, here's where it comes into play. The lack of information makes it difficult to know whether clout heavy entrepreneurs or big political donors are the ones who won licenses. So even without the information we're talking about right now, the Tribune used public records and we showed you how the they found these records on episode 232. You can follow the money trail. They found cultivation businesses linked to more than $630,000 in campaign funds. And that number would undoubtedly be larger if more information were available to the public. Sure. sure. Uh, but, but that's just what we can find. Wow. Right? Wow. So, wow. Crazy. Very shit. Interesting. That crazy. is pretty crazy. That's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, this, this might be just me, but it also, it was just kind of sad entering this, industry and seeing that it is an industry like this is just yet another thing that has been corporatized and we just kind of have to deal with the deal with the side effects of that and, i think I, um go ahead i think I, I could be wrong but i think montana has a really good uh home grow system a lot of people maybe i'm wrong are just able to just grow on their own and, and that's been flourishing there yeah i'm not I thought i'm I not heard that I'm not sure about Montana, but I know that Minnesota just legalized home grow. Right. uh, They also have an unlimited number of licenses, uh, which is interesting. Interesting. Um, But that will, will, that remains to be seen how that, how that looks. But I wanted to ask you just, you brought kind of back up this. It's like, damn, this is just another industry. And I wanted to, you know, it's like, sometimes it's tough for me to ask this question, but Mm -hmm. um, I guess I wanted to start with, before I get to the questions hard, harder for me to ask, let's start with the idea of the union, because I feel yeah. like that's a very important place we started. The email mentioned something, you mentioned something, and I've been hearing it from the different locations that have unionized that all of our problems are fixed, which right, I know nobody expected that just with a wave of the wand. I, I don't think anybody would have foolishly expected that, but maybe, maybe somebody did. I don't mean to characterize it as foolish. Maybe sure. you oh, were sure. led astray, you know, cause I know that these messages can give you some hope if you're in a situation like you've described, but I guess I wanted to ask about kind of that idea that it doesn't seem like, and I've heard it from many different locations, but if you could elaborate on it, um, if you're able to, like, it doesn't seem like unionization helped maybe in some ways, but not in Go ahead. I, I, I can't speak to what it was like uh, before it was unionized. Actually, I can a little bit because I had some people who were still working there at the time before it was unionized. And they, they tell me it was way worse. It was really, really bad. It okay. was uh, unbelievably exploitative. So I can't, I cannot, I cannot speak to specifically what those conditions were. What I can speak to is the conditions that we were experiencing and the help that we were requesting from the union uh, was not ever uh addressed ever it was sort of like okay we got you yeah make sure you have this issue in writing we'll put it in our records and then we never heard from them ever again about it 
Um, I will say, I actually, I'm, the name of the union is escaping me, but I'm pretty sure that they mainly represent supermarkets. So I think Teamsters or UFCW. I think it was UFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. UFCW. UFCW. Okay. So I think this might have just not been their territory. I don't know. I don't know much about. I mean, yeah, the they're the United like. Food Workers, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I, people have asked about that in the past. Like, maybe we shouldn't be teaming up with people in the restaurant industry. Maybe there should be like a sure. cannabis union, you know? Right. And maybe it's maybe it's just too early for that. I, I wouldn't know. Perhaps. Um, yeah. And though I will say I went to Zenleaf the other day. I will say I went to a dispensary the other day that other than Sunnyside and I ran into a former coworker and I was like, oh, you must be so much happier here. And he said, no, <laughs> even considering all the problems we're having at our dispensary, we also had people coming to us because it was worse at other places. Mm. So I think this is sort of what I meant by like, oh, this is just another corporate thing that just takes advantage of everything. It's going to suck wherever you go. Yeah. And that's kind of what my tough question is about, but I, I just wanted yeah. to get still give more room about unionizing. Like, is there any, yeah. like, of course, like I know you talk to anybody, any union, the contract's never perfect. It is a give and take process. Sometimes you lose things that you loved, but sometimes yeah. you get things that are really important to membership. Right. Yeah. But I guess, can you give me any more? Like, um, what, well, now I'm remembering that, part of our contract, the, one of the ways that the company agreed to sign on to a union contract was we had to sign a no strike clause. So we weren't allowed to walk out. We weren't protected in that way. Mm. So I think that's kind of speaking to what you were saying. We did have to give up a lot. Uh, maybe we gave up too much because we didn't really have a way to respond to in, in, in a meaningful way uh, to what was going on. And like I said, this is my first unionized job. Um, I am, I am philosophically in favor of unions, but this was just my first practical experience of it. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you uh, for sharing your insights there. Mm -hmm. Time for my tough question. It's not like it's okay. like you, it's not like you're gonna. It's like a curveball, and you're gonna. Sure. Whoa! I missed sure. that one. It's just yeah. like it. Now that you're out of industry, it doesn't feel as hard to ask you, but I definitely, it's hard to ask like somebody that's in, in the industry. Like, what do you think about the idea that, so it, it isn't really like any other, or it is like every other industry. And basically at least the bud tender position in Illinois, you're like a glorified arm in a vending machine. Exactly. Exactly. Um, if I knew that what my really job, what my real job was, was greeter slash cashier slash bathroom cleaner, I don't know if I would have applied for this job. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is my experience. And I, I think that was something that was, that was reflected as well, uh, in my coworkers. And it's funny, we're talking about like what you experienced, but what, what did you think going into it? What did you think it was going to be? Um, what did I, th that is a great question. I mean, of course I probably had a lot of lofty idealized, sure. um, whatever about what it's like. I had worked a lot of food service beforehand. I mean, I, at the time I was trying to be an, an artist and have a job to support myself. So I was doing things like retail and food service. Um, and it was awful. And so I really thought this would be uh, a great alternative, something that actually might be good. Mm -hmm. What did I expect? What did I expect? Well, I think and this isn't necessarily the fault 
of Sunnyside, but uh, Wrigleyville is such a high populated area that you see so many people every day that I sort of expected it to be a little bit like, oh, we'd have consultations. I would, you know, maybe get to know the people in the neighborhood and what they like, but it's really not like that. It is people coming in, not wanting to wait more than five minutes or else they will really start to get, you know, revved up about it. You go to the cash register. I just want the highest THC. You give them the thing and then they leave, you know, and that's not the fault of the company. It is just what the clientele are, are needing and expecting. But I was a little sad about that, that there didn't seem to be much uh, soul in what was happening. It felt very much like a vending machine. Yeah. And I say that because I just really do feel like as soon as they can figure out how to put a vending machine in a cannabis, and they kind of have, dude, think about it. So I don't know how it works at Sunnyside and Wrigleyville, but I've seen these new dispensaries pop up where you've got like, I mean, I'm sure you can deal with a person if you prefer to, but it seems like everybody comes in, you tap on the, the iPad or whatever, and then there's still somebody involved in dispensing it, but you yeah. like, they just dispense it. There's still very much more in that instance, an arm in a vending machine, you know, it's just yeah. kind of like a human operated vending machine. Yep. Yeah. Or and a lot of, I think uh, dispensary. There you go. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, and I also think uh, a good chunk of that is the regulations that are being placed, especially on the recreational market. I guess the medical market too, where like, you're not allowed to open the right. container in the store. Mm-hmm. You really can't, you, you really don't know the quality of what you're getting until you smoke it basically. And that a lot of customers would come back and be like, you know, I had somebody recommend this strain and it was terrible. And, you know, sorry, that was just the wrong, wrong batch. And there's kind of no way to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it is a little bit like just kind of like tossing things out. Like here, you're going to get this mm-hmm. one. Just here you go. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we can blame some of these companies for that. They all market yeah. themselves as CPG companies, consumer packaged goods. They believe cannabis should be consu- consumer packaged. It's pre-packaged, right? And to their point, I, like, look, it's not like they want it to be shitty and they want it to be a gamble, which is the of case course. right now. <laughs> um, it's not like they would choose that. In fact, they use uh, Coca-Cola as an example a lot of times when I've heard you know their discussions like that. They want to be, I know when I grab a Coca-Cola, like, look, I've had a few bad Cokes in my life, but like, I know what a Coca-Cola is going to taste like and the experience sure. is going to be, Sure. you know? So yes. they, they yes. want that and it's not that they don't want that, but I, the point I'm trying to make is that maybe at least for like flour, like, look, yeah, certain parts of cannabis are CPG, edibles, vapes. Sure. You know, uh, what are the ones? Shake even, I would consider. I Maybe, would yeah, yeah. Getting that, you yeah. know, yeah, if you're going to use it for cooking or whatever, but like mm-hmm. a smokable, like a flower, yeah. it's got to be like produce. Like when I go to the produce market. Sure. No, it's not like the strawberries are packaged. I'm able to look at the strawberries and dude, I looked at strawberries the other day and I was like, looked at a few packages. I was like, these are not good strawberries. Not going to get any today. Exactly. Yeah. These are moldy. And it's like that, that just happens sometimes. But Mm -hmm. if you bought the strawberries and then you opened it, oh my God, they're moldy. That's, that's so like, there's almost no excuse for that. Right. Uh, Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, well, that sucks, you know, but at least you are, it's less of a leap. If, if we were to do sure. it deli style, that's, that's the pitch I've always made, Yeah, you know? And I, I can't tell you how many times this, this would be a daily occurrence. We'd have somebody come in with an out-of-state license. They'd look around, they go, what is, this is like TSA, you know, in Colorado, you, you, they, they basically just throw you nugs for walking in the door, mm-hmm. you know, in Florida, it's a lot like this. And we heard that every day. Um, that was just another struggle with working there. Again, not really about the company. Maybe it is a little bit, but the regulations really make it hard to be a bud tender. And yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I think in a way, they can all be blamed a little bit for that too, because the cannabis culture in many ways is shaped by them. And to their credit, some of these companies have started to try to lean into terpenes, but we sure, don't have sure, to get sure, into sure. this, but I've, yeah, I've talked sure. to uh, like... His name is Samuel Bannister. If people want to check out the episode, he literally is, I think, one of the only living individuals with a set of cannabinoids that bear his initials. And he basically says the entourage effect is bullshit. So if you want to see that episode, uh, interesting, because because basically what he described, just to give you it in a nutshell for folks like your cannabinoid receptors can only process cannabinoids. Like it's not like terpenes can just float in and go through your cannabinoid receptor. Like that's not how it works. Now, I, anyways, this is a very charged political topic. That's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know it is. I know it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. really have a strong feeling either way. I do think it's interesting as we are learning more about this and we are still mm-hmm. in the Absolutely. baby stages pretty much, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So I wanted to give some credit because it does seem like they're trying to change the paradigm of how people purchase things, but I still don't think it's in the right direction. And it just seems like they're setting their employees up a a bit for failure. If you're not able to speak uh, informatively on the product, you can't get samples to speak like from a place of knowing like, yeah, I like this. This is what you would want, you know? Absolutely. Um, any, anything else on just like shitty working conditions because that is the main topic at hand it's easy to spiral off into some themes that are just wrong in illinois but um i mean i i i i think the state of the working class in corporate america is just particularly awful regardless of where you go but i mean i i i had a lot of people you know telling me uh, I, w- I was, I'm, I'm in school right now to become a therapist and I sort of had that role a little bit. They called me mommy uh, while I worked there. And I had people literally telling me um, from this place makes me sad to I, I want to kill myself. Like literally people were, would tell me that. Um, and it, it would just, it would break my heart. It would break my heart to not, not only not have the, um, not only not have the change that we're required, we're requesting, but to be told that the change that we're requesting is out of the question, that we should be grateful for what's happening right now, that uh, it's not exhausting, that this is just a job. I think the gaslighting on top of the physical conditions uh, is really why I'm here, for example. Yeah, yeah. And I, I am, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate here. I, I hate to, to say it, but it's like with the idea that it, this is, this is a job that I truly think will be phased out by automation. You know, like you, you, if, if the ID requirement is a thing, okay, you stick your ID into this machine, it scans it and verifies it. Okay. Now you can buy whatever pot right. you want. I mean, I think that's the way it's going to go if people get comfortable yeah. enough. And so if you think about it, the bud tender position, 
I don't yeah. know how much longer it remains a thing. And that's yeah. like, I don't know. It's, it's a little weird. I like, I like a bartender. So it's like, you know, sure. especially a good one. So like you sure. have a good conversation, he can tell you what they can tell you what you may like. Right. Um, so it is sad to, to think about it, but when they say like, you, you should be privileged or you should be, what do they say? You should grateful, grateful. Obviously that's crass given the the circumstances but i'm just wondering if those big wigs are thinking like you should be grateful because dude it's a matter of time right. before we put a sure. fucking machine in there so enjoy point. it while it lasts <laughs> you yeah know? that is a very interesting point it's something i hadn't considered before but to that point there are many times when i would be working there and i would think to myself like why why am i here like, why <laughs> yeah. do i need to be here for the company couldn't couldn't a machine do this yeah i totally agree yeah. And I, I, again, it doesn't like, I don't love saying what I just said. It's just like, for sure. For sure. You know, if we, we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that this is probably the way they're thinking, like they're thinking, how can we get the most money? Could we just yeah. cut people out of the equation altogether? Like, yeah. like get it just the people growing for us. Cause we don't want to do that. Fuck getting in the fields. Yeah. We wear suits, you know, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. how do we get the people to buy our weed? Yeah. You know, we're spending an awful lot of money on these bud right. tenders. On people. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> hey, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. I'm thinking a little bit about how the uh, alcohol culture is now. And you have right. liquor stores, yes, which I guess is kind of like the format of what a sunny side is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also have a bar. And I don't think it's, is it legal in the in the, in the this state to have like a smoking lounge recreationally? Or uh, maybe you could have bud tenders. So there, there are smoking lounges, uh, like, so rise Mundelein has a smoking lounge on site, a consumption lounge where you can, I think it's the only consumption lounge in Illinois that you can purchase cannabis at. Now there's some rare things going on in my opinion in Southern Illinois, where there are at least two consumption lounges that I know of that are not dispensaries. They're just private locations. You can bring your own weed to and smoke at. And then I've also been just, this is anecdotal, but uh, it was just remarkable because literally the cannabis program at SIU. So I went to, there's a cannabis program, I'm, cannabis science center, I think is what it's called. If folks want to look it up. I went with many faculty members from that science center to this bar that I think is called Clark's or it's fuck. I'm forgetting the name. I feel so bad because they let you smoke outside and it was crazy because this lady said something she's like you can't you can't smoke in public and i was like that but they told me i can and the the person that owned the establishment was like look if they got a problem with you smoking tell them that they can move down a seat that's what we tell people with cigarettes that's what we tell people with weed enjoy your weed and i was just like interesting so sorry for giving you such a long answer oh Um, no that's cool this is great to know what was your Um, what was your question though sorry i feel like i just uh, if it was legal to have a consumption lounge in Illinois right now, because I hadn't heard of one. I yeah. think like the we had the Sesh bus come by and I think that's like sort of like a, a form of that, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. I've actually a, never been. I feel bad because I went to that for the first time and it was pretty cool. So oh, okay. Yeah. It's just like a bus. Yeah, yeah, just a you bus. I went on there. There bit. was free weed. I didn't I didn't get the memo that apparently I could have grabbed as much as I wanted. I was trying to be like nice and only grabbed one of each. <laughs> um, but dude, other people I saw other people are like, dude, 
I grabbed like three for my sister, five for my grandma. And I'm just like, God damn, dude, I didn't know wow. you could literally just grab them. It's anyway. so strange on the one hand to have regulations. Like you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to even think of weed until you buy it. And then to have like the sesh bus where it's just like, just take a handful and go, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another thing that's going to be in our uh, history document. Cause it's an interesting thing where somebody described how that's done. So fun fact, gifting is legal in Illinois and that's why they're able to do it. Okay. But here's my question. So somebody described how it was done in a grown in article that will be included in our history document. But basically they said, what we do is we have our employees purchase their amount. We give them the cash. They purchase their amount, or maybe they don't say that, but that's probably what happens. They get a stipend to like purchase an amount of cannabis, their legal amount. They bring it to the bus or to the location and then everybody does that and they bring it. But it's like, my question is who's in possession of that, like lump sum quantity. Cause technically right. speaking, that's illegal. That's illegal. Like as long as you're, it's weird. I'm not trying to get in anybody in trouble. It but definitely like, feels like some kind of loophole. Definitely. Look, I encourage it. Whatever we can do to proliferate, right. proliferate, giving each other cannabis. I'm just saying like, if sure. I did that. <laughs> I think if I did like, that's my, that's my thing. It's like, it's weird that they're allowed to do it because they're like these companies, but like, right. If I did it, they might look into the technicalities of how I did it and how much I, you know what I mean? Like the rules yeah. are, we're playing by two se sets of rules. Yeah, interesting. So. Um, anyways, I digress. You got me, uh, you got coffee cold today. I don't drink coffee very often. Uh, you know, it's oh. funny. Shout out to Southern Illinois. I've got my qu Quattro's cup, uh, great pizza nice. joint down there. Okay. But um, yeah, my apologies for all the tangents today, my friend. Um, oh, no, this has been very interesting. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun chatting with you and, if, yeah. you know, the door's always open for you to come back on. But I guess bef bef as we close, um, I want to try to <laughs> just give you the space because I have, I keep jumping in and take us, yeah. taking us on tangents. Anything you felt like we didn't cover today or, or something that people should take home? Um. I think, I think, I think I, I, I've come around to the point where I've accepted that work is not meant to make you happy. Work is work. Work is just not, it's not something that is, you know, so joyful. That being said, uh, in my experience working at Sunnyside with my coworkers, they all feel that way, you know, they're tired, blah, 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 you know, work sucks, I know kind of thing. Um, but if you come in and you're kind to them and you are asking, you know, I'm, I've, I've never heard of weed before. What is this about? You know, they will literally sit with you and gladly explain their expertise, their knowledge in a very, very kind and generous way. Never, ever, ever have I ever heard any of my coworkers being like, oh yeah, I'm just going to give them this just to get them out of here. You know what I mean? So treat, treat these retail workers with kindness uh, and you will get that back, especially at the Sunnyside Wrigleyville location. My coworkers are some of the best people I've ever worked with. Um, and I think that is, that is just something that often goes unsaid. It's just how to treat people in the retail, in the retail space. That makes their job about half, half less bad. Yeah. Well said. I mean, that's, it, it's sad that it, that seems like it should go without saying, treat these people right. like humans, you know? Right. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Well, anything what, um, else what strain are you smoking on? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, 
raspberry parfait. Some of my homegrown. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Just gotta j- just for folks like I think this is like one plant, and this is one oh, wow. of the jars. This yes. is just one of the jars. I got like a few just yes. jars full of really good wheat. So if That's you awesome. don't grow at home, folks, consider it. And it's not like it's I'm, easier than you think. Yeah, I was about to say I am not the sharpest tool in the <laughs> toolbox or whatever the saying is. Yeah, I think I'm the tooliest tool in the toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, but yeah. Um, I guess before, before we go, man, you know, we jumped right into all the issues. Just, I always like to ask cannabis people, how'd you find cannabis? My friend introduced it to me in college, like, like many of us, I think, the good um, old college try the good old college try. Um, and it was, uh, it was a uh, pretty profound for me. Like, not going to lie. It was, it was, um, a great, a uh, moment for me to realize that I didn't have to enjoy alcohol, that there was nothing wrong with me for not enjoying alcohol, and that there was something out there for me that could help me unwind in a way that a lot of people do. And that it, it's not a competition, but it is actually safer than alcohol to consume and enjoy, not only in the behavior that it encourages, but in the literal, like, consuming of it. Um, and I, pr- I pretty much, it's that has been my my poison since... Oh yeah, dude. Cool. That's awesome to hear. Um, it's always cool to hear. So you got interest introduced to it in college. So what were your thoughts about it before then? It's, it's funny. I had, I knew people in my town growing up in high school. I mean, like, you know, there was research, you shouldn't smoke before a certain age, but I literally was like, wow, they've, they've thrown their life away Mm -hmm. that they are going to die. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like they've lost their mind. Um, and then I tried it and I went, this is what this is all about. This is what like all of that hatred and propaganda was for. And then you start to realize what, what was really behind it and things and et cetera. But um, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. I mean, I was, you know, it's, it's good to encourage kids not to use drugs, but I would, I would be one of those people who would go to elementary schools, you know, the dare people uh, and, you know, don't even think about it. Don't even touch it. Um, So it was kind of interesting how, uh, I came in with a very, I guess, conservative approach to it. And then and almost immediately, I was like, what? Right. This is it? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. Yeah. They got I'm not you, dead. Man. I haven't lost my mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, yeah. Same, same here, man. I came from okay. somebody like who would say like, I would never do that to somebody yeah. like, I'm always going to do this. And everybody. <laughs> <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, dude. Well, hey, it was a pleasure speaking you, to yeah, you today. Yeah, you too, Cole. You Would too. love to connect again. And uh, sure. folks, hope you found this conversation as uh, valuable as I did. We'll see you yeah, in the next episode. Very enlightening. Thank you so much. Yep. Take care, folks.